0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. There is so much happening in the UK this summer and James and I will be there for all of the fun. I will be watching Australia win the cricket, Valtteri win Silverstone and Emma Gilmore dominate hill climb at Goodwood. But while I'm there, I'll be able to keep up with my Melbourne Demons games and all while being protected online thanks to NordVPN. Travelling is when you are most at risk online, but I don't have to worry, and neither do you. Head to nordvpn.com forward slash Drive, or click the link in the show notes for an exclusive deal just for our podcast listeners, including free months. And don't forget about the 30-day money-back guarantee. G'day, I'm James. Welcome to the Australian Opinion on Formula One here at the Lakeside Drive F1 podcast. In this episode, we preview the Austrian Grand Prix. And I'm joined by my friend and yours, Thomas J. Camp. Hello, mate. Hello, mate. How are you? Yes. Hello,
1: listener. Very well.
0: Hello, listener. Nice to nice to have all of your company uh, as we look ahead to the Austrian Grand Prix, which, Campy, this track is fantastic for two reasons. Firstly... I love the elevation changes Secondly yep. fly-overs. flyovers Flyovers happen Metal Red Bull, anthems Red, Red Bull gets out Whatever <laughs> the, the, is operation if, Even if it's not really airworthy They still manage to get it out in time and, and put it in the sky And what is only the best rendition of any national anthem ever Of was, the year Was that <laughs> And it
1: continues to be yep. To date Yeah great track it's a it's a funny race track in the sense that mm. it's not an iconic racetrack. track like it doesn't have all the the glitz and glamour of a monaco or the mm. the epic landscapes of a spa but this geez i tell you what this produces some of the best racing i think on the calendar every year consistently i think i think back to some of the races we've had um That battle between Leclerc and Verstappen a couple of years ago, Mm. uh, you know, in that, it's really turn two, but it's technically turn three because there's a there's a kink Mm -hmm. in that straight after turn one. So we've had some epic battles between Lewis Hamilton and Rosberg that went down to the last lap where Rosberg was on a different strategy, and they collided on the last lap, and Rosberg got damaged and ended up in fourth. That was his world championship year. Uh, What else happened? Uh, Albon. Albon got spun out
0: into turn four.
1: you know, for the second time. So, and that turn four complex is just a great, like it just produces that after turn three, that straight, it just produces great racing and great overtaking yeah it
0: really you know
1: happens. the rule is do not go around the outside if you want to make a move there but every year we see moves done <laughs> someone ends up in that gravel <laughs> and the ends up mowing the grass <laughs> like Valtteri Bottas so oh yes I do you know even in the COVID years I think we had we had that double header mm. uh, double header there and it just felt like we raced at this track all the time but um I really enjoy it so this is one on the calendar. I still think Red Bull are way too strong and Max would be too far in front. Oh. But the racing will be good from second or third right back down to the back of the pack. So yeah, you're absolutely that's what right. I'm excited about. You know, some of those houses uh, that overlook that back straight. Mate, that if you had if you won that hundred million last night that was going on in Powerball. <laughs> I'd be behind those houses right away, <laughs> just for the two weekends of the year where you oh, get a MotoGP. MotoGP on, yeah, and well. yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah, look, I'm looking forward to it. It should be good.
0: MotoGP, of course. This uh, at this circuit is it 2020, 21, with that massive accident that big crashes. The doctor managed to avoid. I can't remember who the bike was in front of him, but. Or even the bike had crashed. I just remember the Valentino Rossi avoided sig- like being yeeted off of his motorcycle by a rider and by a bike.
1: I oh, know, and then the bike went up right a turn three and took someone out. And yeah, it's an interesting motorbike track just because there's a rise and it like a it rise up over a hill mm. and the crest just drops back down. You can't see it in a, in an eye line for a motorbike. <laughs> F1's a bit different because they're cars. They don't move around that much but um can we just
0: segue a little bit just for one moment yeah this is a shout out to Bev uh I want to talk about MotoGP and I want to talk about Jack Miller I saw the best video I think I've ever seen of a motorcycle race of a Jack Miller overtaking a Ducati and throwing up the digits on down the main straight and he's like yeah thanks mate <laughs> <laughs> on the way down um, we used to do a MotoGP podcast, but
1: was that, how was, is
0: Jack Miller going this year?
1: Uh, look, it's a new bike. So the thing with Miller is he's got insane one-lap pace better than Brad Binder, and I'm a big fan of Brad Binder. But now that –
0: He's know, on an, an a, a KTM, yeah, I should say. So, no, not so he's Ducati. gone from
1: Ducati to KTM, and, uh, and um, he's got the one-lap pace down. Still hasn't quite sorted out the race pace. He tends to just drop off. Um, on the Sunday nights. We, they do have a sprint race every weekend now, which is great. I think it's great for the sport as well. So it's 15 laps, or I think it's 100 kilometres, you know, half the distance of a normal GP weekend. He's not quite there with the Bock, new Bock. He's got outstanding pace, and he puts himself in the right positions at the start of 90% of the races this year. I mean, he led on the weekend going into one and then dropped back to seventh behind his teammate. But in the sprint race, he held third and he was racing really well. So um, he's learning the bike and the bike's obviously getting better and it's needs to change in order for him to, to ride it. But I think his biggest issues is the tyre compounds. He's just mm. always struggled with... Getting them in that right operating temperature, and I think it's got something to do with the asymmetrical tyres. So in Moto GP, they've got half the tyre for a say an anti-clockwise track where there's more right hands than than left. Half the tyre is actually harder than the other side to you know keep that consistent grading across the two of them. So um, I, mean, he'll I be love fun. that you
0: managed to get tyre chatting oh, no, I'm for sorry. a motorsport
1: that's not even Formula One. Yeah. <laughs> um, but MotoGP's been really, really good this year from from a Jack Miller perspective. Doesn't have the bike to win a world championship. Will perform and win races at times this year, I think. But I think it's the next two or three next two or three years where he's really going to solidify himself and possibly get that world championship that we so want him to get. And uh yeah, look, Jack's the most loved rider on the grid, super laid back. And he's look, you listen to his podcasts. He's just He's just a Northern Queensland lad, you know, <coughs> buys AUs because they've got strong rear diffs, welds them up and just does skids on Like, it's just the kind of guys that, and he's hilarious, great character, great ambassador, not only for Australia, but I think the sport as well, so... He's struggling a bit at times, but he puts himself in the right positions and if he continues to do that in every race like he has been, then eventually it will come to him. So, yeah.
0: Well, that's uh, Australian watch, the MotoGP watch uh, for this yeah. for this year.
1: <laughs> it is good to touch base
0: with what other Australians are doing in the sport um, and, unfortunately, Remy Gardner is no longer in the sport. Yeah, he's um, moved to the Superbox, which but is fine. But it is good to see Jack having a little bit of success. Yeah. Um, but anyway, getting back to the Formula One side of things in this, in this Grand Prix, it is absolutely, I mean, it's Red Bull's home race, yep. so they're absolutely going to dominate. Then it's Red Bull's other home race, the following race in Silverstone. Yep, um, It will be pretty interesting to see just how dominant Max is. It's not a question of if he wins, it's a question of how much does he win by now. And realistically, the only chance that Fernando Alonso is going to have of getting a victory is if something technically happens with that Red Bull.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's just the reality of our sport at the moment. We put up with it for six years with Schumacher and Ferrari. We did it with Hamilton and Mercedes Dominance. We did it with Sebastian Vettel for four years. Although Those seasons weren't as dominant as you would think they were after the last seven years oh, yeah. we've had in the sport. But um oh, look, it's part of the sport. I'm not over Max winning yet. I, I'm still impressed with Red Bulls and organisation and Adrian Newey. But for me, they're still sandbagging. They get these seven <laughs> or eight second leads and then just put the cruise button on, nurse the car home. I think if a team seriously challenged them, they have a lot more in that bag to to uh, open up. And uh Drive on into the summer, as I would say. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, look, I think you're right. That It's interesting. Let's just touch on last week's episode because we had this conversation about this where the sport's at and being a little bit bored with it. It's interesting that you say that you're not bored with Max winning yet.
1: No, I, I listened back to it. And I, at the time when we recorded, I thought, geez, it was a bit too negative at the start. But I listened back to it. It wasn't as bad as it Felt in the room. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, that was my opinion of it anyway. But I understand that people are frustrated with the sport. And I've always said there's a five-year low in this sport. Yeah, The yeah. first year, you get really into it. Second year is like hyper. Third year, you're watching testing and you're all over the technicals. And then that fourth and fifth year, you taper off. I don't think we're seeing it at a crowd level because – for crowds to go and see Formula One for a weekend after Drive to Survive is nothing. It's like, oh, this is a big event that we should attend and get a part of it. I think that's where they're seeing it. I'd be interested to see the numbers of the viewing online and what that looks like globally. Mm. Um I know Australians, we get a race early in the year and we're all pepped up for the start of the season within the first three races, then you'll follow it for four or five after that. And then it tapers off just because of the European times and stuff like that. But um the sport's strong. It's in a I still don't know what the sport looks like in 10 years, which mm. is – we've touched on this before. I mean, we were talking about this just before you showed up. This sport's going to get sold to Saudi money at some stage in the next couple of years. Hence, while we've got three races in the US, Vegas is the biggest thing. Um, you know, money – the money that the sport has created for itself, doing what it's doing in the last five years since Liberty Media's has taken over – has just increased in the way that Bernie Eccleston went about it from a viewing it's you know it's ripe for selling at the moment and liberty is a publicly listed company it's got to act in the best interest of its shareholders they will get it to a point where they go we're not really interested in riding the down the inevitable downward wave that will happen it's still got a core and it'll still make massive amounts of money but yeah it'll get sold to saudi money unfortunately and uh the sport may look very different but there's good things happening. We've got more constructors coming in. I'm not sure we'll see any more constructors other than Porsche come into the sport. But again, Volkswagen Group own Audi and Porsche. Does it doesn't make sense for both of them? So,
0: but it's encouraging though that Cadillac and Andretti want to enter
1: the yeah, sport from an totally. American point of view. Yeah,
0: there are people who still want to do this and yeah. go racing. Yeah, uh, yes, I, I think you're right. I mean. It did feel we were a little bit disillusioned last week, yeah, listener. Yeah. And uh, I mean, we're just fans like you. This is not a uh, professional podcast <laughs> in any stretch of the imagination. Well, uh, you're never
1: going to get that with us, right? You're never going to get the polished Sky News British presenters who are always put. You know, we're just real about it. What I think—that's it- why I
0: haven't got any other gigs. <laughs> 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 they take one listen to this. They're like. Jeez, this Campy bloke sounds pretty cool. They send all the emails to the Lakeside Drive address, which I get, and I just delete them all. <laughs> Carry doesn't get any access. It's all mine.
1: <laughs> what? I've been following IndyCar pretty closely for the last couple of years as well. Mm. Since Grosjean's gone into it, it's given me that, you know, it's given me something to watch for. I'm not yep. religious about it, but yep. I've been following it. What the states do well, really well in their motorsport is create this even, even playing field across from, you know, P one right down to P thirty. You're always going to get cars that are suited to different tracks. So they might not be in the championship, but they'll always have a track or a place that they go where their car works and they have a chance to get on the win and podium. You don't see dominant runs like we do in F1, particularly over seasons. You might see two or three races, but um it's quite evenly spread. On any given day, there could be 12 cars that win it. You know, I mean, Will Power, our Australian driver, has had some excellent seasons. I mean, what, he came second three years in a row? Didn't he
0: win the championship last year?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was like his second championship. But he came second like four years in a row or something (laughs) back in the day and lost it going into the last round because of things that happened. So – I think that's what America does well with their motorsports because you see it in NASCAR too. Yeah, I mean, there's so many teams, so many drivers, and so many races. that I don't think F1 is that and will ever be that, but just want to see a bit more competitiveness above, you know, above that top 10. Yeah. That's, but uh, does F1 go that way?
0: Well, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, um, firstly, do you think Grosjean's a piece of crap? As as stated by Will Power.
1: Well <laughs> I think look <laughs> I mean if you haven't seen a it. listener, Will Power, uh he was passing he was passing Grosjon, was it? And then he hit his teammate Colton Herder. Um sorry, I can't remember. Anyway, but he called Grosjean a piece of crap because he had a run on him later in qualifying, cut him off which you would see a thousand times in F1. It's a bit different in America. You're allowed to hit people. You're allowed to send it up the inside and you don't get penalties. <laughs> if you damage your car, well, tough, they just sort of. So it's a different racing. I, look, I get why Will Power's frustrated, but Grosjean's not a piece of crap.
0: So. <laughs> wow, <there laughs> But you he's go.
1: probably got form. Like Grosjean's had some amazing speed this year and put himself in stupid positions where he's binned it and... You know, lost lost races for it. Lost the Texas race on what three laps to go within the top three on a oval circuit. So, yeah, I mean, it's good to see from Will Power because he's a bit, he's very straight. He plays plays a straight bat in all of his media and everything going on. So, I don't mind a bit of attitude from Power. It's just what we want to see.
0: Uh, he might be on the podcast very soon. Nice, mm. love that. Um, that's something that's in the works now. Uh, interestingly, we've t- we've spoken a lot about other sports that aren't Formula One at this point, which is yeah. that, which I'm here for. And I think, firstly, uh, and a shout out to Tara and all of our gang in in um, the Tara. US. Thank you. Tara. How dare I, <laughs> um, Tara? <laughs> she has said many times, come over to the states, come to a NASCAR event, come to uh, an IndyCar event, because it will blow your mind. And I genuinely believe that's the case because, I mean, I've been to the Australian Grand Prix, going to um, the British Grand Prix this year as well. What Liberty Media uh, I think is trying to do in a lot of ways is take the good bits of the, the big show, I suppose, of those American races from NASCAR and IndyCar to try and do that as well in Formula One. It doesn't always work. And when realistically teams like, I just looking at the constructor standings at the moment. 10th, Alpha Tauri, two points. 9th, Williams, seven points. Haas, eighth with eight points. Alfa Romeo, nine. Uh, sorry, seventh with nine points. And then McLaren, a sixth with 17 points. Realistically, for the teams that are down there with so little points, only ninth and 10th are up for grabs. Should yeah. be. Because yeah. the other spots are filled by Aston Martin, Mercedes, or should be, Mercedes, Red Bull, Ferrari. Yep. And Alpine should be a lot stronger than they currently are as well, considering they're an OEM. But there's, really, we, we're looking at drivers like Bottas and being frustrated. Well, I personally, I'm being frustrated because I love the guy. I want him to do better. But really, he's only going to score one or two points for the weekend yeah. on a good day yeah. if everyone else – and that's Alfa Romeo competing with itself and with McLaren and with everybody else. just to me is – That's probably one of the things that frustrates me a little bit about where we're at in the sport at the moment. And I love the sport still too. I haven't fallen out of love with it, certainly not yet. Um, And I think that, I mean, going to the UK and going to the British Grand Prix is going to be great. I'm going to Goodwood Festival of Speed. We'll talk about that in just a little while as well. But it's going to be that attitude from the fans which energises me because it's the same with the Australian Grand Prix. The fans here come from all walks of life. Yep. There is a massive background. And, and we sort of spoke a little bit about this in terms of what people want out of Formula 1. It almost doesn't matter because different people and different groups get different things out yeah, of Formula 1. you're right. And I really enjoy that. I just want as the one of – no, I'm not the. – you're the purist at heart. I am a big fan of a lot of the off-track drama as much as the on-track drama. But I'd love to see, like Albon did in that last race in Canada, score up. S- swag points yeah. for the team.
1: Yep, on old tires. What a legend! When the the trend was that as soon as your tires went off, you'd get smoked. But that, that 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 Williams is slippery in a straight line. He compromised his exit off the hairpin so that he could get a massive jump and let his you know let his aerodynamics do the work to get that top speed. And hey, awesome drive from Albon. Wasn't just for one or two laps. It was for the last. You know, twelve, thirteen of the Grand Prix we're under massive pressure. So, you know, it's, oh, it's great racing. It's great yeah. to watch. So, yeah, it really is. Righto, everyone, hang on. Got to pay the bills round here.
0: Now, a little bit of news, news. from the world. Danny um, Rick. Danny Did you hear Rick. About Danny Rick. So um, the only Fox Sports reporter which is worth reading, I know oh. this is one of the things. You click the Fox Sports headline when I know Michael Laminato's written the story, and then Google serves me every bloody Fox Sports F one related stuff, and three quarters of the them are written by staff writers. These people won't even put their names to the article and it is incredibly terrible journalism from like news.com.au or uh, whatever one of those other chat, right. chat gpt chat gpt would do a better job what i think um, but it- <laughs> 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 but, uh, but i think uh, that this is an interesting one as written by um mr Lemonado himself that danny Rick does see his fairy tale ending to formula 1 yep. being back in the Red Bull team, but there was a line in their Campy, that really got my attention. He said, I might have to work back up to it, but that is the goal. Yeah. So work back up to it might mean a stint, potentially at AlphaTauri, before going there. But considering the performances, for want of a better term, of Sergio Perez in the last couple of races, there oh. is a huge amount of pressure swelling, and there are articles starting to be written now about, Not if. When does Daniel Ricciardo replace Sergio Perez? Now, we love both of these drivers, but Sergio, to me, hasn't seemed his normal self in the media and a whole range of other things in the last couple of races. Yeah.
1: He got within seven points in that world championship. One Barker or whatever it was, and everyone's going, "Whoa, geez, how's, you know. And Max should have chased him down on his strategy. Mm. Should have bridged that six-second gap really easily, but. Ever eventuated. So mm. I think look, pressure. Everybody feels pressure at some stage. I think it's how you handle it. And check out for me. Look, missing Q three once is bound to happen through rain or weather or the crash in Monaco. Like sure. It's always and these guys are allowed to make mistakes. They've earned the right being in those top teams that to are driving those cars on the absolute limit to make mistakes three in a row <laughs> <laughs> is that just, but is, comma. <laughs> is that just three in a row mm. you know I understand they got strategy wrong on the wet, but he's got the car where he should be in the top five every lap he goes out on regardless of track evolution and things like that so the other thing Leclerc stuffed up in the last two Grand Prix too I mean, we haven't been talking about him so much although you know it, it, it is interesting pressure I think we gotta make a Ruling on him week by week at the moment. I don't think he's going to beat Max this weekend. I, no. I think he's going to get utterly spanked. Yeah. But, you know, Alonso's driving that car well over one lap.
0: And this is a this is a track, too, I think the Aston will work quite nicely on.
1: You know, uh, Red Bull has a history. Let's go back to the Vettel Weber days, right? Please. They were winning World champ- Team's Championships and winning Drivers' World Championships. Mm-hmm. Why would you make a change when they're consistently doing that? Now, the thing between Weber and Vettel was Weber was always right behind Vettel when he needed to be. And we're not talking two or three positions behind him. We're talking within five seconds, most Grand Prix. It was just a matter of who qualified better or who got the strategy right. And most of the time it came out Vettel on top. Although Weber did get robbed in 2010. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: that, I'm surprised that doesn't come up more often uh, <laughs> on yeah. this podcast. Look, look
1: I, I'm a big fan of Weber. He got me into this sport. But regardless of that, even you look at Felipe Massa and Fernando Alonso driving together at Ferrari at the top, Felipe was right behind Alonso and uh, who was driving it. I can't remember who the drivers were off the top of my head, but they were all within two seconds of each other, and it was two by two up the grid. That's how close these drivers were and how close the cars were. We're seeing a difference between Max and Checo this year, which I don't think – I think Max has gapped every teammate he's ever had realistically. Oh, yeah. um, I don't know why – anyway, getting back to the point, I don't know why Red Bull would change that driver situation. Yeah. The only – If Danny Rick has to go back to the junior team, he will perform in that car so unbelievably well off the blocks and probably make Yuki Tsunoda, his teammate, look shit, (laughs) which means Tsunoda will lose his job. Checo will get demoted halfway through next year and jump back into the top team because we know Max loves Danny. Yep. We know they've got healthy respect for each other. Danny's a better driver than Checo. In that Red Bull. So, and Max's team wants him there. You know, Max does, Max wants a challenge. Yeah. Max is not one of these guys like Lewis who's happy to beat his teammate by 30 seconds every weekend and it not be an issue. Max has said, I'll leave this sport if I'm getting bored, which means I need to be pushed. I yeah. want a championship. I mean, Lewis had that in 2021 when he lost it in Abu Dhabi. He had the fight that he wanted. Unfortunately, he came out on the wrong end of a poor steward's decision. But, I mean, that's what that's what Max wants every year and to come out on top. And I think Danny gives it to him more so than Perez. So, we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's uh, obviously for me, who is a massive diehard DR fan, <laughs> I desperately want that. Yeah. It's obviously, I mean, he was an idiot for leaving when he did and going to Red Bull. Uh, Renault, I understand why he did. Totally. I, I also understand why he went to McLaren. We need to delete that podcast so we said that was a good idea. <laughs> Don't listen to it. On paper. Don't go back. On paper, it was a great decision, de- decision to do. Yeah. Well, McLaren and Ferrari have won the same number of world
1: championships in that time. <laughs>
0: So, you know, out of the two options that were potentially on the table for him.
1: Danny Rick's still the first person to win in that car since Alonso back in, no, it was Jensen Button in 2011, the greatest Canadian Grand Prix of all time, I believe. So yeah.
0: there you go. It, it is without a doubt for, and look, we started this podcast in with the view to build an Australian community around this sport. It is an absolute pleasure to be speaking to you right now. We're like literally wherever you're listening in the world. If you're sitting in Greenland, and I know there are people listening yeah. in Greenland because I can see the statistics. If you're in and we get
1: emails from them too, so
0: it's it's awesome. It's awesome. But we started it with the with the thought process of trying to build the Australian thing. Now we didn't know Drive to Survive was coming downrange. We, we didn't know that it was going to have such a groundswell effect to the sport, but. The reality is one of the things that you and I, Campy, kept talking about every time we caught up in the many months before we started the podcast was talking about how no one was talking about DR. It was just, you know, yes, the British bias, which we go on and on and on about, and I I know that there's reasons for that which we've spoken about before. But we started this podcast to give the voice. We even said, on the beginning, from the beginning, rather on the tin, was you know Dr. Biased.
1: Yeah, I'm happy to be a dick rider for Dr. Every day of <laughs> <week>. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: I wonder if he goes to Alpha Tauri. Does um, Michael um, Italiano train both Yuki and Michael?
1: Probably, but I just look. Danny will be. I think it means that Danny will be on the grid next year, mm. because as Lewis said. There's drivers that don't deserve to be on this grid and there's drivers that do. Daniel is one of those guys that deserves to be on this grid and he's ahead of, you know, 70% of the drivers here. So there you go.
0: Yeah, it's going to be good to see when he's back. And, And the drama that unfolds of where he goes because there aren't a lot of options right now for that to happen very easily for him, but... I would wager that uh, Red Bull would be pretty happy with his performance on the simulator and it will be interesting <laughs> to see it's only a couple of weeks now until get he gets test. into a Formula 1 car properly, the RB, whatever series this is, I've even forgotten that, um, to do this tie test for Pirelli at Silverstone. So that's going to be very exciting to see indeed. Um, the other thing that's going to be very exciting to see from a Formula 1 car point of view is Mick Schumacher driving his dad's Mercedes. Uh, around uh, Goodwood Festival of Speed, which is exciting for me because I get to go. Um, Mika Hackenden is there driving his old car. Landon Norris apparently is driving one of the cars. Emma Gilmore's driving one of the cars from a McLaren point of view. But um, the more Formula 1 cars at Goodwood Festival of Speed, if you're going to Festival of Speed, let me know. Send through a DM wherever you feel like doing that too.
1: So, Mick, well, is it more iconic? I mean, Mick driving his dad's Benetton at Spa, that was like well, – that was cool.
0: I don't know if... And Ferrari at Mugello.
1: Yeah. I don't know if driving the uh, the, the, <coughs> the, the Mercedes has the same ring to it. No, you're right. Post his first it's, retirement. Toto Wolf
0: can hardly just ask Ferrari, bring up Ferrari, not Matea, um, to to borrow one of the cars for his Mercedes driver. I do actually want to talk about Mitch Schumacher because it just popped into yeah. my head. That there is now a link to him replacing Logan Sargent
1: right. at Williams. Right. That's it Great Get the quicker that guys Out of the sport The better (laughs) And Mick Schumacher If he was
0: from Texas Would you be more okay With his performance
1: Uh, (laughs) Probably probably not
0: Okay
1: Yeah I mean Look I don't think We've got great talent In F2 or F3 At the moment No Uh, It's not like The talent pool It has been For the last decade So I think these guys coming in are really coming in undercooked and not ready for F1.
0: Undercooked. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I like there it. There you go. Less young people, more well done people. You don't, you like your drivers I mean, medium shit. rare.
1: I mean, oh, can they at least be like mid-20s? <laughs> <laughs> no. No, they have no. to be 16 phenoms. <laughs> it's like.
0: It's a race to the bottom when it comes to age in this sport yeah. for some, at the moment. Well, for well I
1: mean, sport transfer. have you seen that mini Gronk from the States? No. It's like nine years old. It's already got twenty-five D1 offers for football. Oh. And he's nine. The kids like the kids the kids amazing <laughs> for nine years old. But like, <laughs> nine, come on.
0: Yeah, race to the bottom. i don't be fan of it. Uh yes, you're right though. Is it a big thing? Uh look. It's nice. I think it's the symbolism of it is nice. Michael returning to Formula 1 yeah. in that car. Yeah. Mercedes dominance helped set up in part by Michael Schumacher in that yeah. team. Um, there is no arguing with that at all.
1: And I think Mick's got a career in this sport. I agree. He spanked Mazepin in that first year. The second year, he got a genuine test against K-Mag. And I think K-Mag probably took the cake over the year. But Mick had performances that were really good. But he also had those heaps of crashes, which in the end just cost half too much money and they yeah. couldn't afford to do it. Yeah. He will grow and get better and time out of the sport, this year out of the sport for him will, will do him all the luck. He'll come back in and he'll just be a lot more comfortable with the processes and the systems and he's got a big name. So there's going to be teams, if he shows a glimpse of something in a half, competitive car. got to remember that Haas wasn't competitive and never was. And he had some great racing at times. So if he shows half an ounce, Ferrari, Mercedes, Missou- they will lay out the red carpet for him if they decide to go that way. So, look, I think it's good for Mick. I, I think I want him there. After not having him on the grid this year, I think I want him there.
0: It's also interesting, isn't it, when we look at talent that comes through junior categories that looks amazing and ends up in a team like Toro Rosso, that, you know, when the, the main team is full by Max and Daniel and whoever else in terms of talent, same with the Mercedes junior program and Ferrari junior program. If If the top teams are full and there's nowhere else to go, if a year or two of mediocre performances you Know they're not getting to grips with the car for whatever reason, like Daniel didn't in the McLaren, like Logan isn't at the moment in this Williams. It's almost a shame, isn't it? Because they never really get the potential to show themselves. I'd love, I'd you know, would love to see all 20 drivers in the same car, yeah, over yep. the course of a race weekend. It would be one of those, uh. like a, you know, that should be like a charity match where they just everyone gets a Red Bull, <laughs> 20 of them. And just send it out and just in equal machinery, see what
1: happens. Or we'll just get them in an F2 chassis or something. Just so that we can see the comparisons, right? I mean, there's always going to be a dominant setup. Someone gets it right. And there's yeah, a sure. Done. But
0: that, I'm talking like one mechanical team sets up every car so it is as close to identical as you can possibly make it. And chari- like for charity, whatever it is, the excuse. Could because be cool. I think you'd see... Like Nico Hulkenberg might just absolutely wipe everyone out,
1: and we'll be gone.
0: Okay, he was pretty good in the first place.
1: Well, he is good, right? Yeah,
0: especially with all the podiums that he's got. Uh, <laughs>
1: this is unfair. That's their, unfair. Their Sorry, race Nico. is really qualifying, isn't it? And he's had a couple yeah. of podiums this year, so yes, good for him.
0: yeah. But anyway, that's that was. You know, they've got the money to do it for me. one. come on, lift uh, or just put them all in like the. Um, Stars in a reasonably priced car and the Australian Grand Prix next year. get a couple of MX-5s or BRZs or whatever and chuck them all in.
1: Danny Rick could win by a second and a half. Yeah.
0: If not two and a half seconds. That that
1: is a great episode of Top Gear when Danny Rick's on. Yeah. Clarkson was genuinely astounded with that time. It's like, that's a second and a half better than Hamilton. That is... He got he got that reverse understeer on the last two corners just perfect, which got him home. So Jeez, what a TV show that Have was. Have
0: you watched the latest grand tour?
1: I haven't. Oh. I haven't watched the um
0: <laughs> For anyone out there. I've who got thinks
1: too many streaming services as it is, I just cannot sign up.
0: You don't want to all hail Jeff Bezos?
1: I've got a VPN, so I should be able to get around it some so. <laughs> Uh
0: For those of you who are listening, who th- who do you think each of us are when it comes to the Top Gear slash Grand Tour Trio? <laughs> There's probably not a lot of surprises in the answers, and uh, I'll, I'll pre-answer the question, no, I've not had my teeth whitened. <laughs> Well, look, that's it for this episode, Uh, the Austrian Grand Prix this weekend, and then we go to Silverstone for the British Grand
1: Prix. So Um, much for struggling for content, Jim. We've just (laughs) pumped out what... It's what, happens when you,
0: it's what happens when you give me a uh, Smithies 100% Australian made full strength, full flavour um, draft. Drafties. Born oh, from legend, oh, allegedly. Oh, oh. Uh, but that's it for this episode. There will be a slight change in our release uh, releases over the next couple of weeks because I am overseas and we will be struggling with trying to match up time zones, but that's okay. Just stay by your phone or your computer or your radio station of choice and you'll hear us. We will be back in your ears very soon. But, Campy,
1: you. have fun in the UK, man. mate. I will. Have, make sure you catch up with some people in the, yep. Goodwood. Who are, you, who are you, just before we, Yes, Goodwood, please. What are, you, what are you looking forward to the most?
0: Oh, the, the, the McMurtry um, that did the uh, hill climb record last year, yep. which is this little – bloody bullet of a car I really want to see that in the flesh yep. um, McLaren are doing a special uh, celebration of something at some point um, creating and more a friend of mine slash mixed way driver Elmi Gilmore from New Zealand is is there so I'll be hanging out with her for a little bit and hopefully Excellent. with Mika and a few people too so I mean I'd lo- I'm looking forward to old Formula 1 cars yeah. making loud noises that deafen me that's what I want Good. I want to come back with less hearing than I went <laughs>
1: Love that.
0: Love that. <laughs> uh, but let me know. If you're going to Google Festival of Speed, uh, I'm there for the entire weekend, from the, the full four days, I should say, and uh, I'm at the British Grand Prix. On the Friday, if we can catch up, let's do that. Um, we can watch some Formula One in person, which is always a pleasure. Well, Campy, thank you, my man. Uh, you. We will see you very soon for another episode of Lakeside Drive. Yeah, you're right, actually. This is the thing. When you and I start getting oh, into a okay. rhythm yeah. four hours later,
1: Yeah. Four hours live.
0: on two notes we've made a whole <laughs> episode.
1: How good's that? <laughs> Who are you? Are you Clarkson? I'm a mix between Hammond. I'm a mix between Hammond, because he loves the American stuff. <laughs> <laughs> right. Sorry.